Hello, everybody. Welcome to Common Sense Isn't So Common, the next episode. And yes, I know this one came out late, and I'm really sorry, but um, school started. That's the excuse I'm going to use. That's the excuse I'm going to stick with. Whoops. Anyways, today I, um, well, last week I did an interview with Mike Kirkfleet from the Small Business Enterprise Center. And um, you know, it's interesting to hear what he has to say about uh, his personal life experience as an entrepreneur himself. So um, I hope you'll uh, I hope you'll enjoy this. But first, we have a few ads to go through. So once again, back is Moore Ave Underground, the one, the only Elmer Rock Band. Actually, no, there might be more. Don't quote me on that. But um, once again, I want to bring them before you because they are awesome and they deserve all of my praise. Um, I've been saying it before, and I'll say it again. Go see one of their shows. You um, you won't regret it. I promise you that. And, like, they do fundraisers that you can go to for free. Um, they put on big events where not just they play, where a bunch of artists play. Um, they play at the, uh, the back alley in St. Thomas all the time, the bar. So if you're over 19, go ahead and see that. But um, there's another one of their songs playing in the background. And, uh, like, if you hear it, I don't know. For me, something just resonates. Like, it's just fantastic. So this particular song is called How You've Grown, and once again, fully written and played and recorded by Moore Ave Underground. So uh, I hope you'll enjoy this little bit of the song, song, but let's move on. So next up, this ad is sponsored by none other than Maximum Potential Fitness. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, get your butt in shape. So this, I shouldn't say little gym, uh, this big gym is uh, just on Walker Road right beside the Stockyard Cafe. And um, the stuff that they can provide you is uh, unlike any other gym that I've ever seen. So it's not just a gym where you pay your monthly fee, you go in there when you want to work out, and you work out. It doesn't work like that. I mean, I suppose you can do it like that, but eh, you're paying for this, you might as well get it, right? Um, so basically, when you pay your $100 monthly fee, Jordan King, the owner, which I did an interview with a few weeks ago, he plans your uh, workouts twice, two times or three times a week. He'll do maybe some meal planning for you. And um, and that way, all you have to worry about is coming in, is coming in to actually do the workouts. You can come in basically whenever you want. They open at 6 in the morning. They're, I don't know how late they're open. But like I like I've said before, this is uh, this is basically a super gym. Personalized training, tanning, massage therapy, awesome people. Also another benefit. So if you're looking for a gym, uh, go check this one out. It's not necessarily cheap, but you will not regret a single penny. I promise you that. So now let's move on to the episode. Like I've said before, this is my interview with Mike Kirkfleet. I really hope you enjoy this. And um, if you do, leave me a rate on iTunes or Google Play or SoundCloud, wherever the heck you listen. I'd really appreciate it. And now, Mike Kirkfleet. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to confess, Abe. I, uh, <laughs> oh no, I know. I ate a lot of sugar before coming here. So, uh, I can so tell I, you've at, been all over the place. At Iron Horse, I uh, I bought a candy cup from Pete, and it's been sitting in my office. And you just kind of eaten it now ever since. And I I didn't eat a single piece until today, and I ate it all in the last hour. So. How big was the cup? Regular cup size. Regular cup size. Just a cup size. Yeah. Two hundred fifty milligrams milliliters. I didn't weigh it. You didn't weigh it. Milligrams sounds like a drug. It is a drug, isn't it? What milligrams? Candy. <laughs> um, it's addictive, that's for sure. Yeah, it definitely is. I think that most people would agree you could define sugar as a drug. I think that it's also a component of food, and so it's you know it's a great definition. 
great definition. But people consider caffeine a drug. That's true. And because it's an addictive substance, people get addicted to That's coffee. That's true, but you don't digest caffeine for energy, even though it is a component of food. Sugar does nourish you at a cellular level. And caffeine doesn't? No, it doesn't. No. No, you don't draw energy from caffeine. Caffeine affects cellular metabolism, and that, that affectation is why it's considered a drug. But caffeine itself does not give you energy. Huh. I did not know that. I just had a coffee. Like I said, learn something new every day. Um, you know what? Let's just get started. Sounds good. Um, welcome, everybody, to Common Sense Isn't So Common, Episode 8, uh, I think. Um, with me today, I have Mike Kirkfleet from the Small Business Enterprise Center. Hi, guys. A uh, lot of words, big word. Uh, SPEC, you guys call it, right? That's the acronym, yes. SPEC? Do you call it the SPEC or the SBEC? The SPEC. SPEC, okay, because SBEC is almost a tongue twister. It is. Say it 10 times fast. No, but I do have a good tongue twister for you, Abe. Oh, dear. Are you ready? Nope. This is the most challenging tongue twister I've ever come across. Okay. Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. Say Irish that ten times wristwatch. fast. Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. Come on. It was so close. <laughs> it doesn't sound hard, but it is. You guys need to try that. That's, wow. That plays with your brain. Okay, we're good. Um, so I have a few questions for you today. I've kind of been following a pattern with um, the other people that I've had on. A little serious, a little funny, a little serious, a little funny. Uh, hopefully we can keep it light um, so people actually want to listen to us. How does that sound? That sounds good, Abe. Awesome. I think I get any questions here. Cool. So uh, not only do you work with other small businesses, but you own a few of your own businesses, right? That's right, I do. What do you? What else do you do? So formerly I've had three different businesses. Okay. Uh, the first of which... Uh, the first business I founded was Talisman Guitars. Uh, this is something May I that ask I, why you called it Talisman? Um, I thought that it was a good a good word to describe what um, what you want a guitar to be. So, to me, a guitar and to a lot of other musicians is more than just a sterile instrument. It's something that you sort of develop a relationship with. Yep. Um, and so, having your guitar is it's like a special thing to you. It's a special object, and so that was the impetus behind the name Talisman Guitars. Okay. Makes sense. Um, yeah, so in that business, I manufacture electric guitars all from scratch in my shop just outside of St. Thomas, Ontario. Cool. Um, and my goal with those instruments is to make instruments that are completely unique and built perfectly to fit and suit uh, the player. So I'll do things like measure a customer's hands, and oh, wow. I'll need to know exactly what sort of style they play, whether they play with a pick or whether they play with their fingers, um, because all those things will affect how you build the guitar. It's going to affect... Um, the size of the neck. If they've got bigger hands, they're probably going to want a fatter neck. If they've got smaller hands, they might want a thinner neck. Um, it's going to affect the spacing of the strings. It's going to affect every little aspect of the guitar. Okay. And then you have to learn what sound they want out of the guitar. So that affects the pickups that you use, the wiring that you use, um, wood that you use, the pickups, hardware, all of these things. So you're making electric guitars? Yeah, that's right. Have you ever made an acoustic? I haven't, no. Would I, you consider um, it? Uh, I would consider it, but... Um, my interest is more on the electric side of things. Okay. Um, and I feel like there's a lot more innovation on the electric side of things. I okay. think there's a lot of really, really good acoustic builders around, even locally. Um, John Lacroix and Mark Benito in St. Thomas, um, among a number of other very talented luthiers in southwestern Ontario that focus on uh, specifically acoustic guitars. There are fewer, in my opinion, that are doing impressive things with electric guitars, which is why my interest lies there. Cool. Okay. And you build bass guitars as well, right? I do, yeah. Um, do you, which one do you like building better? Or does it matter? I, I don't think there's a big difference in terms of enjoyment. Um, I've built quite a few more guitars than I have basses. Okay. And so for that reason, I'm a little bit more comfortable at it. But ultimately, there's, there's no real difference in the construction techniques that you use. Cool. Um, I'm less of a bass connoisseur than a guitar connoisseur, so yeah. for me, I think probably building guitars is well. Mo most people more, more people play guitar than play bass, right? That's true. Unfortunately, um, bass is the most noble instrument, though. I don't know. It's it, it. Everybody likes it. Everybody likes the bass in a song, but um, you like if you just pick up a bass guitar and start playing in front of people, it it doesn't really work. Like you can make it work, but not the same way a guitar can. That's true. It's much well with a bass. You really can't. You can't play the same things that you can play with a guitar. Yeah. But in a band, the bass is arguably one of the more important elements it, of the band, right? It ties it all together. Nobody walks into a house and says, hey man, nice foundation you got in this house. 
Yeah, ex- they, exactly. They say, they say, you know, nice art on the walls or nice trim around the doors and windows. Yeah. Right. And that's like the fancy stuff that the guitar player and the vocalist are doing. That's, that's where everyone's focusing. I gotcha. Um, but if it weren't for the foundation, none of it would be there. Cool. What's the uh, longest it's taken you to build a guitar or bass? Hmm. So in general, a long build uh, is is 200 to 300 hours. So it can take a long time. Wow. So you're talking um, like four or or four to six weeks of work. That's crazy. Um, of eight hours a day. For a long build, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of time. Um, now, if you're building them in batches, it goes quite a bit quicker. right? When Although you, they're not going to be as good quality. Well, it's not that the quality would be less. Okay. Um, but there's going to be less variety. So the reason it takes less time if you're doing it in batches is that when you're set up to route pickups, it doesn't take twice as long to route two bodies because more than half the time is the setup. So once you take the time to get the right tools out and the right jigs out and set it up to do one, you may as well do five. Because makes sense. You'll save a lot of time, right? So if it takes, if it takes, you know, for a simple build, maybe 120 hours to build a guitar, to build two probably only takes like 180 hours or something like that. Okay. That makes sense. Um, what other businesses do you want? We talked about Talisman Guitars. So Talisman is the first one. Um, I'm also a partner in Portable Studio Productions. So okay. that's a video production, primarily video production. We do some audio production as well, uh, but primarily a video production business focused on musicians, or at least initially that's what the focus was. Okay. Um, in that business, what I was trying to do was fill a niche that I felt existed for the small band where um, to promote themselves, they need digital content. Um, they could go into a studio and record an album that might cost them five or $10,000. Um, and at the end of the day, they'll be able to sell some of those. They'll be able to promote it online, maybe get it on Spotify, get it on iTunes. But the return that they get from that these days from a traditional recorded album is less and less all the time, in my opinion. Um, but something that's increasing in value is video content and something that you can put on social media to use to promote yourself, get people coming out to your shows, and to help people find out about your band. So in that business, focusing on the music, most of what we do is recording live concerts for bands okay. um, at a fraction of the cost of recording in a studio because you're already playing. We go there, we set up, we do our videography, we get audio from the board if we can. Um, and at the end of it, you get probably more songs in total than you would have from a studio recorded album that you can then sort of trickle out through your social media or you can release it as a full concert or, or however you want Cool. Uh, for a fraction of the price. Cool. Uh, in that business, we also do wedding videography. Um, there's a little bit more money in the wedding market, so it's a nice, juicy little side segment of the business nice. as well. And you still run that? That one I still do, yeah. The guitars um, I do as a hobby. Um, if someone were to approach me, I would consider building for them, but okay. at this point I would have to take time off my day job probably to to do it or I would have to do it over the Christmas break or something like that. Okay. Um, or it'll take you a year. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, and even then, you wouldn't want the guitar that took me a year to build, right? If I'm not focused on what I'm doing, um, which I think is true of pretty much any craftsman, you're not going to get the same quality as if I were to be diving in, putting in eight hours a day to do it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so let's take a break. You have one more business to talk about, but I got... Um, a bit of a weirder question. I asked somebody else this, but if you could get rid excuse me, rid of one Canadian province or territory, which one would you get rid of? Hmm. If you had the power to just say get out of here, which one would you well, which one would you do? Interesting. So so I don't know. I mean hopefully I'm not uh, I'm not destroying any future political aspirations here, but um, Oh goodness. I think um, I think Quebec makes a lot of noise. I mean so like pros of keeping Quebec in Canada. Montreal is a great city. Uh, the French produce a lot of delicious cheese, and these are things that I like. But there are parts of having Quebec in Canada that are that are slightly annoying. For example, the French on the cereal boxes <laughs> um, and the amount of federal money that they take. So, if I had to cut anybody off, I would I would I would say Quebec. Even though you would, so then if uh, so let's say we did cut them off, would they be, what do you think they would do? Would they become their own country or part of the states? What do you think they would do? That's a good question. Because, um, like, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm going up to Nova Scotia, or I technically when this comes out, I'm going to be in uh, Nova Scotia, and to get there, you need to go through Quebec. That's true. Well, that would make so it like, would I, would I have to, to enter another country? The eastern provinces. I guess that's people, uh, like, um, people in the United States going to Alaska. Mm. they got to come through Canada. That's true, or they have to fly. Or they have to fly. But, but how many people visit Alaska? I mean, probably lots. I don't know. 
don't know. Alaska's slightly different, though. Alaska was just like some trading post that the yeah. Americans bought from the Russians, and they sort of drew a border, and then there became Alaska. It's confusing though, isn't it? Like if you color, like I remember in elementary school, you would color in your maps, right? You had Canada, the states, and Mexico. You color Canada blue, the states red, and Mexico another color. Color Canada blue? Why? I don't, okay, I don't was know. Was this just your choice of colors? Sure. Or is this like I'm coming up with this on the spot. Do? Okay. No, they so, didn't teach us how to. Ultimately, I think, um, I think I would want Quebec to stay in Canada, right? If I had to boot somebody out, I'd probably just like try to pick the smallest population, like maybe none of it. Maybe none of it? Yeah. yeah. I, I want to keep, Yukon? I want to keep all the provinces in Canada, so I'm going to kick out none of it. Okay. I don't know. I feel, I feel like if you were to kick one of those out, they would just join up with Alaska. That's true. Maybe right. we'd just be more encircled by the U.S. This That's really okay. is quite a dire problem. If we were to kick one of them out, which I don't think we're in danger of doing. I also don't think we have the power to do this, Abe. You know what? Let's try this. Let's just try to kick, let's just try to kick Nunavut out of here. <laughs> Why not? We got nothing to lose. Okay. Um, you have a third business. What's your third business? What do you do? So the third business uh, is a web design business. And this is oh. something that I'm, I'm sort of slowing down on as well. Um, web design is, is a good business to be in some of the time. Um, but it's a lot of juggling clients and juggling different projects. Um, and it's not something I have a passion for like I do with the videography. Um, so, you know, I've, I've, I've done okay. I think of the three businesses, um, web design has probably made me the most money. Okay. Um, but, um, you know, for me, I'm, I'm just sort of tired of it. I'm moving on to other, other, other similar things that I'm more interested in. That's fair. It's a very tedious thing to do. Yeah. I would never dissuade anybody from getting into it though. I think the beauty of web design is that if you're driven to teach yourself and you're driven to look for the work, um, it's a business that you can run with very, very little investment. You can buy a cheap computer, right? You could yep. easily design a website on a $500 laptop, um, and you could learn how to do it all yourself without having to spend any money on education. And all of a sudden you have a business, um, right? It doesn't cost you any more than it costs to live. Exactly. So I think it's, for a lot of people, it's a very viable startup business um, with a steep but not impossible learning curve. Um, so, you know, for me, maybe it's not, it's not the focus anymore, but I would encourage anybody who's interested in entrepreneurship and has an affinity for websites to consider web design. Nice. Okay. Uh-huh. Um... What's the, what's the hardest part? So you have, uh, technically you had all three businesses running at one point in time altogether, right? Mm -hmm. What was the hardest part? And did you work a full-time job while you were doing that? While I was doing that, no. So at that time, I was still helping out on the family farm. Okay. Uh, my parents own a dairy goat farm just outside of St. Thomas. Right, right. Uh, on the west side. And, um, and so, so I wasn't working full-time, but as needed, um, I would... I would do that, or as I needed to supplement my income, I would work on the farm. So what was the hardest part about running three businesses all together? The hardest part was definitely uh, just the challenge of spreading your focus over that many things. Um, you know, one of my, my weaknesses or my vices that I always tend to take on way more than is reasonable, um, and that can be a good thing because that can really push you to work a lot harder than anybody else is working, right? It yep. can push you to work harder than even you think you can or maybe than you should, um, However, being committed to that many different things can be very stressful. So our lights have gone out here. There we go. Mike's got it covered. We're good. <laughs> um, so really just like keeping the balance between everything and not, um, not resulting in any sort of service delays for people or, uh, or anything else like that. Just okay. The challenge of just actually keeping all of it moving at once. I know how it feels. Like you said, it's it's almost a good thing being busy like that. Mm -hmm. um, I know when I was in school and I was starting up uh, my business, technically, um, I got a lot more work done then because I had such a limited time. Mm -hmm. And then in the summer, right, I can sleep in as late as I want. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. And there's no drive to get it done. Like mm -hmm. I can get it done later. I can get it done later. And then if I have uh, if I have only a certain amount of time in my day that I can get it done, I'm going to work a lot harder to get it done. Mm -hmm. So it's I don't, in my opinion, it's almost better to be way too busy then we have way too much time. There's, there's definitely a trade-off for each, in my opinion. So in my opinion, I think, actually, the perfect situation is to go back and forth between periods of having too much to do and having not enough to do. Um, because I think, or at least personally, I know there are some, there's some iron-willed folks out there for whom this might not be true, but for me, at least, if I spend you know, two months just grinding, putting in like 80 hours a day, doing different things, driving all over the place, whatever it is. Um, it's, um, you know, it, it does really wear you down, right? 80 hours in a week is a lot of time to put in. Yeah, it is. So, 
you know, you can do that for a while, but you can't do that forever. And if you do, if you try, um, generally your quality of work will, will decrease. Um, your quality of life will definitely decrease. It'll affect your relationship. So it's okay to do that for a while. But then I think also you appreciate it much more when you roll it back to a more reasonable pace of work. Yep. Um, and so for me, I like to have, at least at this point, I like to have a fairly basal level of work that I can focus on all the time and then I throw in extra projects as basil? I feel I can take them on. Did you just use basil as an adjective? Yep. Isn't that a spice? So, so basil is not only a delicious herb, okay. but but a basil uh, comes from the word base. So like um, a basal level of something uh, is like, you know, there's always a, uh, I try to keep a basal level of basil in my basal shaker. You just, that's, the second, that's the second that's the second time you've blown my mind today. I don't like I'm, it to fall past a certain point. You need to keep it out of basil. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. What's if if you like um a lot of people use um quotes that famous people have said as inspiration, mm -hmm. or they'll hang it on a wall, it'll look good. Do you have a favorite quote? I'm a big fan of quotes, Abe. Um, to the point think? that I probably couldn't couldn't recite all of my favorite quotes, but um, you know, I'll give you a few a few gems. Um, there's one good good quote that I like to parrot often. I, I think often it's attributed to Alexander the Great, but who really knows who came up with it. But, um, but the quote is, I'm not afraid of an army of lions led by a sheep, but I am afraid of an army of sheep led by a lion. Why that one? Um, it's, not like, it's not like you're going to war. No, I'm not going to war. Um, I think what I like about that quote is, is sort of, although this is like a very almost crass stereotype, um, I think that in life there are lots of people who choose to live more like sheep and lots of people who choose to live more like lion, although I would say probably fewer. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's a pretty deep quote. It sounds really romantic. I didn't realize I was going to have to romantic? go so, well, not romantic in the sense of. I was going to say, what are you getting at here? <laughs> it was you who turned the lights off, Abe, trying to set some sort of <laughs> crazy mood earlier. That's not where this is going. <laughs> don't even think about it, Bob. Um, I don't know. A few years ago, um, I had to choose a quote for school. Mm -hmm. And um, I think a lot of people chose Dr. Seuss quotes. Okay. But you really can't go wrong with them. With Dr. Seuss? Dr. Seuss. Like, if, if you think about it, like, he has so many of them. He writes children's books. But if you think about it, it really is awesome. Um, he has one. Uh, Today, you are you. That is truer than true. No one alive is youer than you. That's true. I would say that that's philosophically, that's <laughs> philosophically, that's perfect. That's an unshakable statement. Exactly. Yeah, I uh, I always had a soft spot in my heart for green eggs and ham. Everybody had a soft spot for green eggs and ham. Would you the like book anyway, <laughs> not actual green eggs and ham? That sounds like honestly, green eggs and ham sounds horrible. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that by the time your eggs and ham have gone green, you should not eat them unless you uh, unless you made them green. Well, that's true. But I would question what chemicals you're introducing to the food to, to fluoresce. Food, food coloring. Well, I, I suppose that would be the it's way to do Edible it. food coloring, come that's on. That's what they say. That's what they say anyway, you're right. Um, so if, if somebody's starting, excuse me, if somebody's trying to start their own business, what, if you could give them one solid piece of advice, say a sentence, what would you, what would you tell them? One sentence. One sentence. You, you got 10 words. 10 words. So, so I think without, without, <laughs> so I'll give the advice and then if it's too long, we'll try we'll, to, we'll try to distill it and cut out a few prepositions if we have to. But um, I think for people starting a business, um, really the, the, the thing that is the most significant factor in your business by far is you. So whoever you are, whatever business you're trying to start, you are the main factor. So what matters is how hardworking you are, how accountable you are, how driven you are to make the business happen. Okay. Um, and both in my own experience and, and I can also say from the clients that I deal with, um, the people who are successful are the ones who are hardworking and determined and accountable and who just can't be shaken. Right? No matter what happens, they're going to get up, dust themselves off, and just keep working. Do it again. Those are the people that are successful. Okay. So work, working hard but um, being able to overcome... Um, the stumbling blocks. Yeah, exactly. Tenacity, right? Being able to once again a big word. Come on, keep throwing yourself at a problem over and over again until you solve it. Okay, and you know I think that's something that um, 
I don't know, I've seen it myself and I've seen it in other people where you come up a problem, you try it once, you try it twice, and then you quit, it's too hard. Mm. And, um, or like even there's uh, like when you spend three, four hundred dollars for three, four hundred hours making a, a guitar, I can't imagine spending that much time on one single item or project. Yeah, it's tough. Like it's absolutely crazy because like I've heard of there's uh, people that like they'll spend so much time perfecting something. Mm -hmm. And like even if it's something that it, most times it's something that they really care about. Mm -hmm. Even if it's something that I really care about, I just can't see myself me see myself spending that much time, or like just getting absolutely perfect. Yeah, well, you have to be really driven, right? The setbacks are when you spend 150 hours working on something and then you make a mistake and you have to start all over again. Yeah, because that happens too. Those are the discouraging <laughs> ones. 200 hours of work that's going well is not nearly as bad as the first hour that you start. So you're 150 first hour after. You know, maybe filing too far through the back of a guitar neck and exposing the truss rod that you previously had rode in there. That's rough. Because these things happen. That's um, rough. <laughs> spending 200 hours on something and then screwing up. Ugh. That's why you just don't spend 200 hours on something and you want to screw up. No, I'm kidding. Spend 200 <laughs> hours. If you spend 200 hours on any one thing, you can get really good at it. That's, well, I think it takes more than 200 hours in a lot of cases. Um, you can get you can you can start off in it. You'll probably gain some more knowledge than you had before in it. I would hope so. Otherwise, you're not paying attention. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think I'm a I'm a believer for the most part in the ten thousand hour principle that Malcolm Gladwell. No says. idea who that is or what that is. So Malcolm Gladwell is a an author and journalist. He primarily writes, at least journalistically, for the New Yorker, um, and I believe. Um, I believe primarily he is a journalist. Even his books are fairly journalistic in their style. Okay. Anyway, he wrote a book called Outliers. I think it was his third book. He's written some other interesting books. But he was talking in that book specifically about uh, people who are outliers who are either geniuses or are super skilled or have some sort of quality about them that sets them apart from everybody else. Um, and so the whole theory of his book is that it takes about 10,000 hours to become one of those people. Right? If you spend wow. 10,000 hours playing chess working at getting better, you will be a world-class chess player. Um, I believe that in some cases you can probably have that time or better if you have really excellent teachers and you're you know, throwing yourself at something particularly hard. Um, but it's definitely true that the more time you put into something, the better you get at mm -hmm. it. 10,000 hours is a lot of time. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. Who has that much time anymore? Yeah, Everybody's in a rush to get somewhere. Yeah. Or well, I mean, if you put 10 hours a day into something, you can do it in about three years. Okay, but imagine spending 10 hours a day on one thing while balancing the rest of your life. Well, that would be difficult. That, yeah. I mean, that people... could be part of why geniuses tend to have fairly unbalanced lives. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of high school students could do it, honestly, because um, I know there's a lot of students that, like, so, some rolls around, they're so excited, and then they sit around for 10 hours a day with nothing to do. Yeah. Well, I think some of them are working on becoming world class at Call of Duty or Assassin's Creed or yeah. games like that. They're really putting You know, in I can time. personally attest to that. Yeah. 10 hours a day? Not 10 hours a day. Think you could do that for three years? I can't do, like, if you spend, if you can spend 10 hours a day in front of a screen without either dying of thirst or a headache, you're doing pretty good. Well, I think, I think probably, like, you would take short breaks for sustenance. Okay, but, like, even the headache, like, imagine just staring at a screen and playing the exact same game for 10 hours a day. It's brutal. I've, I've done it. It's brutal. <laughs> it really is. Uh, what, um, if you could choose one single superpower... What would it be? Control over time. Oh, you did not hesitate at all. No, I've had this argument with a lot of people. And well, people, let's have this argument. People can say whatever they want, but if you have control over time, I'm confident that you can beat any other superhero. With any so other control superpower. over time saying you can bend it at your will or the ability to time travel. So, so mostly stopping and starting time. That's really what, what gives you the edge. Um, sure. I mean, you can make it a gradual versus a quantized okay. scale of change. Okay. But I think what matters is that if you can stop time completely, um, you basically, and now you know, the physics of whether or not you can stop time and still exist and have thoughts is a bigger challenge whether or not you still age in that state. But let's assume you don't. Um, if you can stop time, you've basically given yourself immortality and anybody with any other superpower, you know, you can still you can still best them if necessary. Because everything around you stops while you're free to move. Well, including them. So let's say that Superman and I got in a fight. I would just stop time. I would do some research, find out that I needed kryptonite in order to defeat him. Huh. Find some kryptonite, tie it around his neck, unstop time, and then just kick his ass. So um, 
so wait, when you stop time, would everything around you stop, see the flow of information and everything? Or, because technically, it, like, let's say you stop time at 5 o'clock. Yes. By the time you get back, it's still 5 o'clock. So would information still travel at the same speed? Uh, if you Google something, will you be able to Google something? That's a very important question. And I don't think so. So, so I mean, it, it really does depend on the physics of how you're stopping time. So let's say, perhaps, that we remove the the clause that you would be immortal if time was stopped. And we say instead that how it can work is you can stop time everywhere around you, but there is a temporal bubble around yourself in which time is still going on. Okay. Because, you know, then your heart's still beating, your blood's still flowing. This sort of then makes sense. And you would then expect yourself to age as this time went on. If that was the case and you had total control over it, there's no reason why you couldn't extend that time bubble around a computer, say. That makes sense. Um, okay. And then be able to do that. Now, you mean maybe that time bubble would have to also expand to include all of the servers that are connected yeah, to the internet. You know, the it's networks. getting into a complex problem. Um, but I mean, you can take any superpower and break it down to the axioms where there's a reason why it doesn't and can't exist. It's the same thing with Superman. How is he so incredibly powerful? You know, we because get, he's we from could, another planet and he's on uh, Earth. Well, That's but we could all get, you need to know. We could get down to a cellular level and say, like at this, at this level of exertion, his cells would be creating so much heat that it would vaporize the water in his cells, and that would then turn Superman into steam. <laughs> huh. I don't know. I feel like Superman is the one is the one character, like, he was created in the age where everybody wanted somebody that was invincible, but yeah. had one weakness. Like, well, I think that that's, I think that's probably all ages. I think that's sort of an archetype. Um, okay. You know, everybody has to have their Achilles heel. I don't think but, that, that story started with Superman. But okay, but he's the one. He's the only um, actual superhero that like it clearly displays like nothing can stop him but this one thing. Fair enough. Right. Like every other superhero, there's other there's multiple things or there's a um, a variety of things that can stop them. Mm -hmm. Right. Batman, you hit him with a car, he's going down. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Or you could just kidnap Rachel. That's the that's okay, the but she, way no, she, to she's already dead. She's already dead. It's over. We're good. <laughs> or like like I don't know, Deadpool per se. Mm. You cut his head off. He's, he's not dead. coming back. That's true. You don't need a kryptonite knife to cut his head off. That's true. Uh, I have no idea where I was going with that. <laughs> so, so what? What, good. what would your choice of superpower be? Um, you know, I've thought about this, and like I've never had anybody answer the way you did. Okay, um, you had you did not hesitate when you answered because you've had this discussion before and you backed it up with actual science. I just wanted to be able to run really, really fast. <laughs> right? It, and it's it's almost has I almost have the same reasoning as you because um if I'm say if I have, if I can run really, really fast, say um like the flash, mm -hmm. um when you when you're in that state of running really fast or moving really fast, everything around you slows mm -hmm. if you if you um if you have that type of speed. So then um, if I'm moving fast enough, it would be like I could do a bunch of things and then come back here and you'd still be here. Mm -hmm. um, That's true. So it's really the same as pausing time. It's except you would still win over me because you could just stop me. That's right. And then just find you wherever you ran off to. And... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Which could be interesting. Uh-huh. I don't know. Um, I don't know. The Flash can run back in time. And yeah. I think that's really weird. And I wouldn't want to do that. Maybe the underlying reason that the Flash is able to be so fast is that he does have some manner of control over time. Maybe he's able to bend it. That's why he runs so quickly. Have you seen the TV show? No. Okay. So, um, spoiler alert for everybody who hasn't seen the TV show yet and is planning on it. I made it to season three and then I got bored. But, he travels back in time. He uses the Speed Force. I see. That's why he's so fast. He has this thing called the Speed Force. Really cheesy, whatever. I see. But basically, he runs so fast that he can run interdimensionally. I see. They probably so, could have could have come up with a better explanation for that, yep. in my opinion. Yep. I mean, like, what, he, what but, province does the person who came up with that live in? We should just sever that province. He, we'll, pro keep, we'll keep it back. It's probably, probably, it's not, probably one of the states. He's probably not French. It's pro no, they would have used fancier words. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, he can run. He can run back in time. Uh, I don't think he can run forward in time, but he can travel from Earth to Earth as well. From Earth to Earth. Yeah. So I in, mean, the, in the DC, uh, in an infinite amount. Uh, in the DC universe, there's an infinite amount of Earths. Okay. So, um, so are they separated dimensionally or spatially? Dimensionally. Okay. So, um, if you if like Earth one is the one that they live on, they called it that. If you travel to Earth two, there's a Flash there. Okay. He's a completely different person. I see. Um, but there's still the Flash. If, I think it's in one of the episodes they travel to Earth thirty two or something like that, and they find Supergirl. 
hmm. which is also the same universe that uh, Superman is in. So uh, it that's what kind of ties the whole DC universe together because you have Supergirl on one planet, and that's why you never see the Flash and Superman on together because they're not technically on this in the same dimension. So who gives the Earths their respective numbers? Is there some sort of body that's exploring um, well, and indexing the different Earths? No, uh, that would be the Flash and his team. I believe that they are the first one to realize that there are other Earths out there. I see. And I'm, I have a feeling that um, almost every other Earth has a Flash of their own because each Earth is a little bit different than the other one. Mm-hmm. There's something a little bit different. Um, so I feel like they would all come to that, um, come to that eventually, but Earth 1, our Earth, is there now. Interesting. Do you know the Flash? Have you met him? Yeah, really. I, Barry Allen. I just had, I just had coffee with him. Well, you probably should tell everyone that. He'll be on the podcast next week. It's all good. (laughs) He's, he's coming. He'll be here for about 30 seconds. He'll talk really, really fast. (laughs) I'll have to slow it down. It's going to sound really weird. You'll get over it. Sound like this. Or, you see, I don't know, would he talk higher when he talks faster? That's I don't think so, So then it would just sound really, really, really low when I slowed it down. Hmm. That's a good question, Abe. I don't know. And, you know, okay, I have another question about speed. Okay. okay. I've had this question, and I don't, it's really weirdly worded. Okay. And nobody's been able to answer it for me yet. Okay. So, um, let's say you have super speed, and you want to go grab something that's on the chair over there. Yes. Okay. Um... But if you're moving really, really fast, I can't tell that you went over there and picked it up, right? Yeah. And you came back. You just kind of have it. But for you, does it feel like it still took you five seconds, ten seconds to go up there, stand up, go over there, pick it up, and take come back? So then if if so, then if um, if you need to run halfway across the world, for you, it's still going to feel like it's taking you days and months to run halfway across the world. I see. So I don't, I don't think it would seem like it was taking days and months. So... It would, because I'm, I would be going at an actual faster speed, a considerably higher speed, it wouldn't feel to me like it was taking that much longer, I don't think. Not, okay. Not unless I was approaching the speed of light. But even then, I think it would still be fairly marginal. Okay. Um, I think the larger issue, and this is something that's never addressed, is that if I were to go over to that chair and grab something and come back in an amount of time that, um, that would be imperceptible to you, that would create thunder. Because I'm moving air that quickly, <laughs> I would be actually leaving a space between the air that I parted, and it would clap back together like thunder. Okay. Um, same thing as lightning, right? Lightning it, it strikes, and then... it, it strikes, and so it, because of the incredible amount of heat, it expands the air to the point that there's very few air particles in that area where the lightning was conducting through. And then when the lightning's gone, it cools in, and the air collapses back and hmm. creates thunder. Um, okay. So I don't, I don't know. I feel like there would be unexplored ramifications. Okay. For that sort of high-speed movement, especially within a closed room. Because we have people like the Flash that do that. Good call. Uh, we, we have the people that like Flash, but then we also have in the Marvel Universe, we have um, Quicksilver. Okay. So in uh, one of the X-Men movies, we see him, and um, there's a scene where he's running around the room taking out a bunch of guards. Okay. Uh, he's got his headphones on, there's music playing, but it just seems like everything to him is moving in slow motion. Yeah. So I feel like there's the two different types of speed, where either you mo- you're moving really fast... Or it's almost time control where everything else around you slows down. So I think the factor there is probably that there's a correlation between how we perceive time and the speed of our cognition. So um, I think that the faster your brain is thinking of things, the slower time seems to go, probably, and vice versa. The less that you're thinking about it, if you're just lazing around, I think time probably will seem to be going faster. Hmm. Um, like. Think of it like the RPM of your brain versus the second, which is always ticking at the exact same rate. Okay. Um, so in his case, because he's moving so fast, his cognition probably has to keep up with that. And so, um, although I'm sure dramatized in the movie, in a case like that, I think that by being that fast and having cognition that was fast enough to keep up with it, you would sort of perceive time as being slower relative to how other people would perceive time. Okay. Question that I uh, need an answer. There we go. <laughs> so if I have any questions about any superheroes, I know where I'm coming. I'll do my best, Abe. Awesome. Okay, um, here we go. How many light bulbs do you think are in this building? So we're in the St. Thomas Public Library. It's a huge building. How many light bulbs? So we're, I assume, I assume we're counting fluorescent tubes. Of course we are. So do you know the answer to this? I have this no like idea. I guess the beans in the jar kind I of situation? I have no idea. Um... This is how many coins you can fit in a room kind of idea. I have no idea. Yeah, the math's a little easier to do on that. 
So I would guess that these are, do you think these are two bulbs per fixture? Uh, it looks like only one source. Yeah. So I'm oh, going to okay. say that there's probably something like three to 500 bulbs in this building. I think that's fair. I don't, I don't know what kind of answer I was expecting, because I really have no idea. Yeah. It looked like a fun question. I, there might be someone at the library who has that answer. I doubt it. I really do. Like, how long ago was this library built? Years and years and years ago. Um, maybe a decade ago. I don't think it's really old. But still, nobody's going to retain that information if it's written down somewhere. Well, I'm sure that that has changed, too, since it was built. That's a good point. I don't know. Maybe they've got, like, a service cycle for when they change things. Maybe. Or anyway, when something blows. Yeah, that's, I mean, you know, it could be like a, I bet it wouldn't be that hard to find out how many bulbs they buy in a year, but that wouldn't necessarily translate to how many there are in the building. You know, instead of doing all that math or asking people, you should go around and count the bulbs. Should I? Do it right now. I'll pause it. We'll go. Okay. Half an hour later, we're back. I'm back. I was exactly right. There actually are 345 bulbs. Wow. In the you know what? You're good at that. Well, I, I gave it a wide range. You know, it was, it was just, you know, a couple of standard deviations. Of okay. But, you know, uh, sneak peek for you guys at home, he didn't, it didn't actually take him half an hour. He just ran really, really fast. <laughs> slowed down around, slowed time around him and ran really, really fast. So I actually just sat here and he was gone for about three seconds. Yeah, you know, from my perspective, it did seem like it took quite a lot longer. So I think that adds more credence to that previous answer. Okay. So you know what? We're good then. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's your favorite part about working at the SBEC? Okay. So what I really love about working at the SBEC... Um, is the number of people that I'm able to help and the number of people that I'm able to learn from. Um, as much as you would think that the way it works, and this is the way it works, people, people come and they, you know, they want my advice on their businesses or on what business they should start, that sort of thing. And so I'm able to help them, and I, in a sense, I'm teaching them. I'm teaching them what I know. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I'm learning a lot from them. Um, and for me, that's one of the more rewarding parts of the job. Um, that's why I'm able to answer with so much confidence when I say, that the things that make people successful in business are hard work and accountability. Because um, you've seen it firsthand. Exactly. I've seen people that have great business ideas not take their businesses anywhere because they didn't have the drive and the dedication to, to follow through. Um, and I've seen people with very standard or very uninspired business ideas be very successful um, simply because mm -hmm. they work really hard, they're accountable, and that, you know, that inspires people to like them and to trust them. Cool. So, um, okay, so basically working with other people and learning learning what you can from them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just the experience of interacting with that many different businesses nice. uh, is a lot of fun. Yeah, you said you worked with, what, 12 to 15 a week? In a busy week, yeah. In a busy I, week. I can see up to that many. It's crazy. Um, okay, I've got one more question for you. All right. Um, if you could be any fictional character, which okay. one would you choose? Huh. Are there any fictional characters who have total control over time? <laughs> um, you know oh, what? Man. You know what? I think Doctor Strange might eventually. Yeah. Maybe. There's, there's got to um, be a better one out there. I don't know. I, uh, you know what's, honestly, what, no, what's his face? The bad guy from Doctor Strange. I, don't, I haven't seen Doctor Strange. How do you have you not seen Doctor Strange? It's such a good movie. Hmm. It's so good. You got to go see it. Okay. Okay. There's I'm this... gonna go watch it right now. Okay. Do it. Okay, I just watched it. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. So, but tell, remind for our listeners who might not have seen the movie, tell them about the bad guy that you're for. So, I actually don't remember what his name is, but um, basically he rules the dark dimension or some BS like that. I don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that guy? Okay. Seems but, like a jerk. He is. But here he wants to rule Earth of all, I don't know, it's confusing. But anyways, he has the power to give people immortality. Ah. So not necessarily control over time. Wait, no, 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 no. Okay, there's, I don't want to spoil the movie for you. But there's a part in the book where Stephen Strange learns how to control time. Ah. So, like, he has an apple, and then uh, he goes back in time. Like, he took a bite out of it, put the apple down. He goes back in time, and it uh, gets whole again, becomes whole again. And then he goes forward in time, and it rots. Ah. So, Strange might be your best option for that. Okay. Are there any other, like, reasons why I wouldn't want to be Strange? Um, he has serious nerve damage in his hands. Oh, would that affect... I probably wouldn't be able to play guitar. You wouldn't be able to play guitar, but you can control time. So I think that's an even trade-off. Let's go back in time to when my hands were fine. See, I don't know. I don't know if he can... See, I, I know he can control situations around him, but I don't think he can control his own because that would create a paradox. If I he, see. The reason he came to this uh, place to um, to learn all this is to be get to get healed for his hands. Hmm. So if you uh, if you came went back to the time when um, he didn't hurt his hands, then he wouldn't have needed to come there. 
and it would create a paradox. So I don't think that would work. Hmm. Interesting. Well, if paradoxes are the real risk of being someone who can control time. Yep. Or time travel. Most reasons that people want to time travel is to reverse the is to reverse what the situation that they're in, yeah. and then they wouldn't have to time travel at all. Yeah. That gets to be a really sticky, slippery slope. Time travel problems. A sticky, slippery slope. A sticky, slippery slope? How slippery is a sticky slope? It depends how fast you're sliding down. That's true. Because, like, could you imagine you're sliding down a slope and, like, you're just, your shirt rips off? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds terrible. And then your skin... Okay, anyway... It depends on the, the, uh, the kinetic coefficient of friction that you have at the surface. Those were three really big words in a row, Mike. <laughs> Can be some slack here. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm sure that you're familiar with the difference between static and kinetic coefficients of friction, right? So here's here's something to know about friction. So friction between an object and a static surface is different than the friction that's exerted on that object if it's being moved across the surface. So if we, for example, take this cell phone and we put it on the table, it's going to take a certain amount of force to overcome the friction of it sitting on the table. So if you start pushing on it, you can push on it a little bit and it won't move, right? But then once you overcome that coefficient of friction, the static coefficient of friction, it will start to move. Once it's moving, however, it takes less force in almost every single case to keep it moving across the table. Huh. So that's called the kinetic coefficient of friction. So the coefficient of friction while it's moving. Um, the reason why it's called a coefficient is because in the formula that you use to calculate the force of friction, the coefficient is the factor that, that changes it. So the higher the coefficient of friction, the more friction that there is, the higher the force of the friction. So basically the heavier the object is? Uh, not just the heavier, actually. So um, if you add weight to the object, weight is a different part of that equation, and so it doesn't affect the coefficient. The coefficient mostly has to do with the two surfaces that are being touched. So consider rubber on asphalt versus glass on glass, for example. Okay. Um, now, actually, glass on glass is a tricky one because technically if the glass is a perfect surface, there will be suction that keeps it from moving. But, um, you know, think about like a curling stone on ice versus a tire on asphalt. on asphalt. It doesn't really matter how heavy either of those things are. A curling rock is very heavy, but it slides very easily hmm. across the ice. Um, so it depends what the material is. It depends on the nature of the surfaces that are in contact. Okay. Science lesson for the day, everybody. Uh, I'm going to try to retain some of that information. I'll probably forget it all. Yeah. But that is all the questions that I have for you. Do you have any for me at all? Um, this is something I like to do at the end of each of my interviews. Open up. If you don't have any, that's completely fine. Hmm. So here's a question for you. Shoot. Um, are you planning on continuing this podcast into the future? I am. I know this has been a summer project for you, but I'll be excited to see it if it keeps going. Oh, yeah. No, I'll keep going. I wouldn't. I, I love doing this, um, meeting with people, talking about things, but also um, putting stuff out there. In the world that we live in, I say that. Actually, I just think about. I say that sentence not often. In the world that we live in, anyway, in the world that we live in, um, it's really easy to put media or some kind of content out there. Yeah. It's hard to put good content out there. Yeah. Very true. And so, like everybody, ha everybody has some sort of video that they put on YouTube or on Facebook, and they're hoping to get likes and shares on it. Yeah. But if uh, what I'm hoping to do is create good content for people that actually enjoy listening to it. Mm -hmm. So there are certain podcasts where um, they find a topic, a science-related topic or a fun topic, and uh, they talk about nonsense for 20 minutes. <laughs> and people like listening to that. Sure. Um, I want to continue this because I want to provide the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. Sure, it'll be fun, but I want to talk about something that we can all be benefit uh, that we can all benefit from. Mm -hmm. So I will definitely continue this through school and hopefully for the rest of my life. That's awesome. I so, dream of the day when I get to episode 900 or 1,000. <laughs> Joe Rogan just passed 1,000 episodes, I believe. Yeah, he did. I'm, I'm, I'm only about 900 behind. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> you d you don't, don't have to try to catch up. There's, uh, well, list. he does like an episode a day. No, he does, I'd say, on average three a week. Okay, three a week. Something like that. But like that's nine hours, on average, nine hours a week. Yep. That's crazy. But think if you're a commuter. That's, that's who his target market is. People are commuting. That's or fair. are working all the time. That's fair. Also, like, I don't think many people listen to all of them. I don't listen to all the I don't. podcasts. There's I'm just like, oh, that many. one looks good, and that one looks good. There's just too many. And it, it takes me two days to get through one. Yeah. Because I don't it, I don't have a three-hour drive. I've been working lately on some Dan Carlin podcasts. I've been meaning to look that Hard up. You mentioned that the other day. Yeah. The one I'm listening to right now is, I believe, a six-part podcast called Wow uh, Blueprint for Armageddon. 
Wow. And so it's him breaking down all of the factors that led to the First World War and just like a ton of detail going through it. Cool. Um, but anyway, I enjoy his sort of storytelling style that he brings. Is it just him or does he talk with people? It's just him. Cool. So for him, it's like a research project. And so I would say that the quality is basically like an audiobook. Uh, you know, and in the case of this one, it's something like 20 hours long. It's six parts. It's insanely long. That's crazy. It drives my girlfriend insane. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. So I have another question for you, Abe. Shoot. So if you could have anybody on your podcast, who would you have as a guest? Who is your dream guest for this podcast? You know, we were just talking about him. I would say, uh, I would say Joe Rogan. Yeah. Um, except for the fact that I don't want to make this podcast explicit. <laughs> um, I was listening. I was listening to one um, earlier today, actually. Yes. And um, he had he had a, a band on. There was just two of them. And honey, um, honey. yeah, that's the one. I know those guys. Okay, you actually know them? Yeah. Cool. I know. I know Ben and Suzanne. Nice. They. Uh, so I tried to sell Ben a guitar once. How'd that go? He was very interested, and uh, it never went through. But uh, but yeah, I'll check this out. Like, look, I'm listening to the podcast, and every other sentence has an F-bomb in it, and they were drinking, and they were getting high, like, on the podcast. Okay, um, so he literally has their, his cell phone number. That's insane. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me this a month ago? That's crazy, dude. Well, I can't get Ben probably to come on your podcast. Well, you know what? I will beg and plead. <laughs> I'm sure he's got a website that I can email repeated, repetitively. Ben? Probably. 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 I will figure that out. Yeah. If I could get Honey on, Honey Honey on here, I'd first have to do some research to find out who they are. Yeah. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to install some vents in this studio. Oh, dear. That could be interesting. I'm sure it would be. So, no, I wouldn't have to choose Joe Rogan. Um, you know, I honestly. What, what about, like, a Donald Trump? No. You don't think he would be a good no. interview guest? Nope. You would be skyrocketed into celebrity status I don't care. immediately. I don't care. How about Justin Trudeau? Nope. How about. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying these because I don't like these people personally. I'm saying this because this podcast isn't about politics, pol politics at all. I see, but you I don't could, want to keep it away from there. But you could talk to them about not politics. Yeah, but he's that, a, poli he's a politician, might... and um, knowing how Do not knowing how Donald Trump works, but um, knowing his reputation, he'll twist it around and he'll say something stupid anyway. Oh, that sounds awesome. No. So, so then, who who's your so maybe like Neil deGrasse Tyson? That could be interesting. I would want to go more of a um, like maybe an actor. Yeah. Um, or another radio show host like Ryan Seacrest. That okay. could be interesting. Okay. Um, what about athletes? Athletes. What about like a Joe Thornton? I don't. I don't sport. I have no idea. Like I have no idea who Joe Thornton is. So no, don't don't give me that look. Don't give me that look. I know he's from around here, isn't he? I also don't sport, but uh, you know who he is. Okay. You should know who Joe Thornton is. Is he from around here? Joe Thornton is a a very successful local hockey player. Okay, I've heard about it before. People suggested that I should try. Uh, I haven't yet. I don't know. I, like, sure, the Super Bowl comes on, I'll go watch the game. The Blue Jays game is on, sure, I'll go watch that. Yeah. But I'm not going to make an extra effort to go and watch it. Yeah, I'm not going to book off every Sunday. Yeah, it, it, Sunday takes, it takes a lot of effort to follow sports teams. And I don't have time or energy for that. Yeah. yeah. I think for you, you got to just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep getting, you know, the splendid, high-quality guests that They're you seem like to, to reliably bring onto this show. I hope so. Um, and keep them coming back. I mean, like, my point is to get, um, I don't know, I'm hoping to get people that are, um, like, sure, they might be successful in some ways, but um, I want to talk to real people. So um, a lot of successful uh, actors, musicians, politicians, they, uh, they have two personalities, right? They have one that they display to the public, and then they have themselves. Mm -hmm. People that are um, smaller, they're not as successful, they, um, they, they usually only have one, and I want to talk to that person. I want to talk to the real person. And it's hard to do that when um, when they're so used to putting the other one out there. That's true. But I think that part of the art of being a good podcast interviewer is that you can cut through that personality that they're portraying and reveal to everybody else who the real person is underneath. Joe Rogan is fantastic at that. And I'm getting there. <laughs> give, me, give me another 900 episodes and you'll be as good as he is. <laughs> that sounds good. Okay. Anything else you got for me? That's it. That's all I got. Cool. That's all the questions I got for you. Thanks for joining me, Mike, from the SBEC, right beside the St. Thomas Public Library. All right. Thanks. 10 Mondamon Street? I don't know. Yep. 10 Mondamon Street. Mondamon. Suite 104. Mondamon. That sounds like a really bad name. Like, just for a kid? I think Like, they want to name him Damon, isn't but that, then somebody else, is, somebody that, else just named their kid Damon? Isn't that like a famous actor? You're talking about Matt Damon. Oh, that's Matt Damon. So they wanted to name him after Matt Damon, but not quite. So Mondamon. Yeah. Mondamon. Oh, that's rough. That's like the French version. <laughs>
<laughs> people in Quebec. I'm sorry. <laughs> you want to know something interesting about Quebec that I learned recently? What's that? So you'd think that, you know how people in France, people in Quebec speak a different dialect of French? Yes. So apparently Quebec French, you'd think it was more like full of slang and just like a less pure language. And that's why the, Fr the, the France French frown on it. Mm -hmm. but it's actually not the case. So Quebec French is an older form of French, apparently. Oh, whoa. And so France French, they say things in like a more modern way, we'll say, quote-unquote modern. Okay. Um, whereas Quebec apparently um, speaks with a much older dialect of French. Huh. Another thing that's interesting, in our school system, or the, the people that taught me French in school, like we have to take it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I remember in grade nine, um, she highlighted it, that we're taking, we're, you're learning the French that you're going to speak in France, mm -hmm. not the stuff that we're going to speak in Quebec. Mm -hmm. Like, that makes no sense. Why are you, it, it should be our second language, but why are you teaching us the wrong version of it? That's a valid question, but, you know, let's say that, that you were going to school in Louisiana. How would you want to be taught English? <laughs> That's a good point. Like a swamp person? That's or, a good point. Or like proper diction English. So I think, I mean, in the case of, I mean, now in fairness, that's a straw man argument because, um, you know, in Canada, we do have a large population of people that speak a certain dialect of French. I don't think, though, it's the case that you're incomprehensible. And I think that if you were to learn the basics of proper French, so France French, I guess. France French. You know, not to, not to say it's pure or anything. Uh, but if you were to learn the basics of that language and then spend any real time in Quebec before being immersed in French France. France, French, French. Say that ten times fast. Ooh, we may have stumbled <laughs> upon a new Irish wristwatch here. France, French, France. No, 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 no. I can't even make it through two. Wow. Okay, you try. Go ahead. A France, French, Irish wristwatch. <laughs> <laughs> we could just stack. A up French, Irish wristwatch from France. From France, yeah. yeah. That could almost work. Yeah. Well, you know what, Abe? I'd like to cap this off with a joke, if I could. As long as it's, okay, you're not a dad, but as long as it's not a dad joke, I can live with it. I would never tell a dad joke. Okay, then we're good. I have, one, I have a dad joke for you after then. Okay, well then we'll trade dad jokes. So, <laughs> why is it always important to bring an extra pair of pants when you go golfing? I feel like this has to do with golfing terms, and I'm drawing a blank. I have in, no idea. In case you get a hole in one. <laughs> I... No, <laughs> no. All right, let's hear that, your, that, that. was that was a dad joke. Let's hear your dad. That was joke. a dad joke. Why couldn't the toilet paper cross the road? I don't know. Okay, so I'm laughing at it. It got stuck in a crack. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. We're both horrible at dad jokes. We're good at that. Um, so perfect. Thanks for joining me once again. Uh, I will see you guys, or you'll hear from me next week. And remember, common sense isn't so common. All right, everybody, I hope you enjoyed that. That was my interview with Mike Kirkfully from the SBEC, that tongue twister. And now, finally, the moment you've all been waiting for. Maximum Potential Fitness. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, this super gym is here. You can find this gym right beside the Stockyard Cafe on Walker Road. Super gym, personalized training, tanning beds. Massage therapy, nutritional information. You can find it all here, ladies and gentlemen, for a low price of only $100 a month. That is my radio version of the ad. Hope you liked my radio voice. I worked very hard on that. <laughs> Not really. Anyways, the last thing I have for you today is Morav Underground. Right? Talked about them before. Look them up. Uh, they're website is moreofunderground.com or you can download their free demo free by the way f-r-e-e -E, you don't pay a penny for it demo at moreofunderground.bandcamp.com which is where i get my music from actually and that is all the stuff i have for you today so uh, hopefully you'll hear from me next week it might come a little bit late again school is in session i do work uh, i apologize um, I don't know how stuck you are on this podcast anyway, but I really enjoy it. Anyway, if you, uh, if you do enjoy, uh, what I do here, I would really appreciate it. I would really appreciate it if, uh, if I could hear from you. Let me know that you're, uh, that you're out there and that you actually care. Uh, you know, leave me a rate on iTunes, send me a message on Facebook, um, email me, isn't so common at gmail.com, anything like that. 
and uh, it'd be much appreciated. Just so I know that, um, just so I know that you're out there. It'd be really awesome. And I'm gonna stop uh, stop talking about boring stuff now. So goodbye, good night, and I don't have another farewell. So long, farewell.